Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Better strap yourself in. It's time for the Howie Car Show. What makes you think that Hamas would comply with a longer term ceasefire? It's not clear to me from the reporting um, who was to blame for... Now, neither side is willing to come back to the table. And I think it's important to remember, George, how this fell apart. It fell apart because Hamas... Well, well, well. Live from the Matthews Brothers Studios. Able to find a nexus between any of the allegations of Hunter Biden Mm -hmm. and the president, uh, Joe Biden, or even when he was vice president, Joe Biden. There's no nexus. There's no there there. This one was invented by a writer. Who's your captain? Howie Carr. And by the way, with other movies and movies, she's earned a Golden Globe and a primetime enemy. Enemy. That's me. He said it! He said it! Rump swabs, hacks, and moon bats beware. It's... Howie Carr. Welcome to the Howie Car Show. Howie has the day off. He'll be back tomorrow. I'm Taylor Cormier, his executive producer, filling in. And, you know, it seems like every day on this show we have to do basically an anti-Semite roundup and go through all the stories of blatant anti-Semitism now because apparently we're, we're back in the 1930s where, uh, you know, Hitler had uh, gotten a whole bunch bunch of people riled up and basically tried to rid the world of Jews. And we're in that the beginning stages of something like that. Once again, it's, it's incredible to see. Last night in, uh, I believe this was uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, they went after this mob, went after this uh they went to several businesses. They went, I think there was a, a TD Bank that they had hit. They, there was a, a Starbucks that they had spray painted. But they also targeted a restaurant called Goldie. And they chanted, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Now, this restaurant is a Jewish-owned restaurant. It's a falafel place. It's a a vegan Israeli-style falafel shop serving fresh-to-order falafel, french fries, and tahina shakes. Um, They also serve falafel salad, shawarma, spiced french fries, and tahina shakes. Oh, and we're kosher, according to the uh, the business's website. But that was too much for the Philadelphia mob. The Philly-Palestine Coalition, they call themselves. They uh, went in front of this business, defaced it, shouted out this anti-Semitic chant, blaming the restaurant owners for what Hamas has been doing to people in Gaza for decades now. They Again, they free Palestine has no meaning unless you're talking about freeing Palestine from... Hamas rule. There's a uh, story that Howie had posted on Howie's homework today 
from the Powerline blog by Scott Johnson. It's called The Deep Meaning of Goldie. He said, I offered ten notes on Eric Larson's In the Garden of Beasts in Larson's Garden. The book tells the story of United States Ambassador William E. Dodd as he witnessed the rising terror of Hitler's rule. Larson gives us Hitler and the Nazi regime through Dodd's eyes in Berlin in mid-1933 when the future was an open question. In my tenth note, I asked, if you had been an American in Berlin in 1933, what would you have seen? What would you have said? What would you have done? What conclusions would you have drawn? And I think that's those are questions that a lot of us have asked ourselves throughout the years, ever since, you know, we, we were in... Uh, you know, middle school or high school, we learned about the uh, the horrors of World War II. And more often than not, the, te- the social studies teacher will put it to the class, what do you think you would have done as a citizen at that time and place? Would you have said something? And invariably, the answer is, of course, yes, we would have said something. But here we are, we're living this again, and we're seeing the the popular side to take, so it seems, is the pro-genocidal, pro-Hamas, pro-terror, anti-Israel, anti-Jew sentiment. And it's incredible to see. Now, Scott Johnson goes on to compare what is happening today to Kristallnacht, says, incidentally, if you ever wondered how you might have behaved had you been a German on the morning after Kristallnacht, 1938, if you've ever wondered whether you would have just gone about your business or done something to resist the slide of your society into absolute depravity, more or less everyone on earth is now getting the chance to see just that. There was a mob chanting, gas the Jews in front of the Sydney Opera House. We have Jewish students in Ivy League universities cowering behind locked doors in fear for their physical safety. All university administrators and diversity, equity, and inclusion geniuses and Hollywood celebrities who rushed to sign open letters in support of the Palestinian cause without taking a moment to understand what actually happened on October 7th or understanding it and not caring, you are all now part of history. History marches on. That was uh, Sam Harris that wrote that last piece um, that he featured on his podcast. And it's true. And you can take it a step further. Everybody that condemned people like Harvey, Harvey Weinstein, people like Bill Cosby, people like Jeffrey Epstein, anybody that was a part of the Me Too movement now has to look at themselves in the face because it's coming to light even more so now than what we saw on October 7th and the aftermath video that we saw how Hamas is treating their hostages. These are not people in custody. They're hostages. They have been taken for a political purpose, and that political purpose is they want the destruction of Jews. They want the destruction of Israel. They want them wiped off the face of the earth. They don't want them to be labeled on a map anymore. And Hamas has been brutalizing these women, to the point where, can we get the cut again of, of Matthew Miller, the State Department spokesperson? He came out and said today that they stopped releasing hostages for a very specific reason. The ceasefire was called off, you know, several days into it. 
Hamas started firing rockets once again. And that was basically a cover because these hostages that they did release, they were interviewed immediately and they were telling of the horrors that they had been seeing and and witnessed on October 7th and witnessed and experienced in their uh, hostile uh, kidnappings. They were taken hostage and subjected to unspeakable horrors. Here's Matthew Miller, State Department spokesperson, saying why Hamas is no longer releasing hostages. All the atrocities that Hamas uh, carried out on October 7th and the atrocities that they have carried uh, out since, the fact that they continue to hold women hostages, the fact that they continue to hold children hostages, the fact that it seems one of the reasons they don't want to turn women over that they've been holding hostage and the reason this pause fell apart is they don't want those women to be able to talk about what happened to them during their time in custody. Which is a scary thought. Are they ever going to release these hostages? Probably by force. 619 says, Taylor, don't forget the anti-Semitism in Nazi Germany started with not allowing Jews to swim in the same pools as non-Jewish Germans. I mean, there's there's a, a true story. Groucho Marx used to tell, he went to this uh, country club and went, in, went to use the pool with his daughter. And uh, the lifeguard says, sorry, no Jews. And uh, Groucho Marx says, oh, my daughter's only half Jewish. Can she go up to her knees? You know, funny, but a, a very real picture of that point in time. And after that as well, that, that sentiment carried out in a lot of, lot of places throughout the world. It's gotten so bad for the Jewish community that they're now canceling Hanukkah events. Hanukkah is later this week, first night. Hanukkah celebration in Williamsburg, Virginia, has been canceled after concerns about the Israel-Hamas war. A menorah lighting was scheduled for the second Sunday's Art and Music Festival on December 10th. Each month from March to December, the community event hosts artisans, street performers, and food vendors, and Jewish leaders were told that the board was not comfortable allowing the lighting at the festival. Shirley Vermillion, the festival's founder, said second Sundays are inclusive to different religions or cultures, and the menorah lighting seemed very inappropriate given current events in Israel and Gaza. She said the board would prefer to steer clear of religious affiliations. In the past, she said Christian and other religious groups asked to perform at Second Sundays, and all of those requests were denied. Vermillion said the concern is of folks feeling like we are siding with a group over the other, not a direction we ever decide to head, which is a pretty astonishing remark to make. Williamsburg, Virginia is... I believe it's home to, it's Colonial Williamsburg, if I'm not mistaken. I've visited a couple of times, and it is a testament to the early settlers here in the United States. And, I mean, that whole, our nation's history, much of it which took place in and around that area, was based on freedom from religious persecution, and here we are once again, you, you've got a community now that is denying people their right to celebrate their religion. <laughs> it's, it's really amazing how we've come full circle. I mean, we're repeating so many facets of history, and it's all, it's all uh, coalescing into this one moment. I mean, they, they either fear 
that the festival's going to become a target or they don't want to be seen as rubbing it in people's faces. Uh, that's, that's astounding to me. 844-500-4242. We'll be ba- right back with your calls. Winter is the perfect time to visit Cape Cod. You don't have to fight the crowds and you can easily get a dinner reservation. Nauset Beach Inn has opened the rooms for this season and at less than $200 a night. When, uh, when Howie visited the Nauset Beach Inn, he knew it was a truly special, one-of-a-kind place on the Cape. Jared's been there. Four acres and only 12 rooms and the Sunrise Cottage. It's, it's quiet, cozy, intimate setting. The only lodging on the Cape Cod National Seashore. Not only an ocean view from every room, but 100 yards from the oceanfront on pristine Nauset Beach. Hear the surf all day long. Enjoy the 500,000 BTU fire pits lit year-round to enjoy sunsets and early evenings. And why not barbecue on one of the gas grills? There's no better view for lunch happy hour or dinner than from the rooms and fire pits at Nosset Beach Inn. The Nosset Beach Inn, two queen beds, family-friendly, pet-friendly, school vacations are coming up, great place to take the kids, and an ocean view like no other. A short drive to a vacation far away. NossetBeachInn.com. This is the Howie Car Show. The Howie Car Show returns after this. Listening to the Howie Car Show. Today's poll question brought to you by My Pillow. Howie loves My Pillow's products. He sleeps with their pillows, wears their slippers, dries off with their towels. Now you can enjoy all of their products with great discounts by using the code Howie at mypillow.com. From pillows, towels, slippers, and even their Giza Dream Sheets, go to mypillow.com and use code Howie for amazing discounts. Jared, what's today's poll question? What are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at HowieCarshow.com, is have you ever lied on a college application or job resume? Yes, I have. 12% of the audience hey! agrees with you. 88% still maintain. A little more a little more honesty, and I'm glad to see it. So when I was 16 years old or so, um, I was applying for one of my first legal jobs. I had worked a couple places under the table, but I was applying for a legal job where I would have my income taxed at a very unfair rate. And I applied to a Honeydew Donuts that was just up the street from my house. And on the job application, they ask you your ethnicity. You know, I was 16 years old. Um, there's some, this, this story is going to be sound very similar to uh, a favorite of this show's, but there was lore in my family that somewhere along the French-Canadian line, there was um, an entanglement, uh, a, a marriage that took place between two different cultures, one of them being Native American. So I was 16 and thought that was interesting. And you want to stand out on these applications because that's how you get noticed, set, set aside and set apart from the, the crowd, the boring white bread people working at Honeydew Donuts. I didn't want to be one of those. I wanted to be a, a tribal representative making your coffee. So I checked 
the box, as anyone would, and claimed to be Native American. It was, I thought it was an honest thing. I thought they were looking for the most outstanding features. So I, that's what I checked. I got the job. So I, I warranted it. But your cheekbones are not, you know. <laughs> there According was to Peepaw. Black, Papa. Blackfoot tribe was the alleged tribe. I've not taken any DNA tests, and I'm not going to. I don't want the government having my uh, my DNA. No, thank you. But I stand by that there is at least lore in my family that says I am part Native American. 844-500-4242. I'm not proud of it. I'm also not ashamed to say it either. Paul, you're next on the Howie Car Show. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, hi. So um, I explained to you when I called in about uh, I live in Brighton in mm. Boston, Massachusetts. And right in Brighton Center at the intersection of Market Street and Washington Street, um, there's, a, there's a, you know, a residential building. And again, I stand by freedom of speech or say whatever you feel. But, it, you know, at some point you've got to you know, own up to what you're supporting. So these people have in the window, it says, ceasefire now. And Brighton has a pretty large community of Jewish people, a lot of Hasidic uh, Jewish people, several Jewish community centers, a couple synagogues. And where this building is located is pointing, so this sign is pointing directly at a school, you know, for for Jewish children Mm -hmm. and a elderly Jewish community center. And every time I see it, I am so offended. So I wanted to call into the station because I know people who were putting up some of those posters of the kidnapped around town, listen to it, and... You know, I, I, again, I believe people are allowed to have freedom of speech, but they also should have to stand by what they stand by, because ceasefire now goes hand-in-hand hand with the same people who are chanting, you know, from the river to the sea. And we know what from the river to the sea means as well. They've changed that chant now. Well, and Paul, they you know, I mean, they had a ceasefire, and Hamas negated that completely by firing rockets into Israel and starting up the uh, the war again, and, and they stopped releasing hostages. So how can they? How can anybody continue that that uh, that messaging? Right, and it, it, to me, it is it is absolutely offensive. If someone had a Trump sign in their window like that in that location, they'd be they'd be yelled at, they'd be taunted, they'd probably be protested. But here they are basically putting something extremely anti-Semitic up in the window, directed directly at a Jewish community center. I just find it extremely offensive. Is this a private residence? It's a, So it's an apartment building. It's right on the corner of Market Street and Washington Street in Brighton. It's a, it's a, it's a, a circular window, and right in the window, so if you were standing in that window looking out, up, um, it becomes Chestnut Hill Ave there, um, so it changes from Market Street to Chestnut Hill. If you were looking straight out that window, you would be looking directly at a Jewish community center, mm. and for the elderly, and a, a you know, a children's Jewish elementary school. You can, do, you can do some digging if you want, Paul. Find out who owns the building and let them know what's going on. I'm sure they wouldn't be too happy that one of their tenants is uh, displaying political messages uh, so that everybody can see. Uh, political messages, uh, pro-genocidal messages, I should say. Thanks very much for the call, Paul. 844-500-4242. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Howie Car Show.
live from the Matthews Brothers Studios. You want more uh, more of your anti-Semite roundup today? Teachers Union official compiled list of nearby wealthy Jews, calling them gluttons and thieves. A Maryland teacher is on leave while the school system investigates her for a string of anti-Semitic social media posts that included creating a list of wealthy Jews in her county, claiming they hoard wealthy uh, they hoard wealth while contributing nothing to society and calling for quote class war. She posted, "This is Angela Wolf." which Wolf is a common Jewish name, but she posted Dan Snyder, worth $2.6 billion, Montgomery County, Maryland. Bernard Saul, $3.2 billion, Montgomery County, Maryland. By the way, Bernard Saul, not Jewish. David Rubenstein, $3.4 billion, Montgomery County. Ted Lerner, Mitchell Rails. She goes on to say, none of these people invented anything useful or have done a damn thing to further the needs of communities. They are the gluttons and thieves. They accumulate this kind of wealth through abusing workers. During the pandemic and every other moment of life, there's no good reason on this earth why folks can't get health care. Hospitals should not have bed shortages. There should be little question that staying home should not equal mental health crises for kids and communities angry because school staff also need to be home. This woman needs a grammar lesson. I don't know what she teaches, but she shouldn't be teaching. Everyone should everyone should a safe place to live. Everyone should a safe place to live free from fear of eviction and healthy food. A fear of healthy food? Is that... She is, what the hell does she teach? Oh! <laughs> uh oh. I wish, I wish I were making this up. Angela Wolf is head of the English Language Development Department. There you go. Your tax dollars at work uh, caters to immigrant children at Tacoma Park Middle School. They come in with broken English and they leave with even more broken English because they have Angela Wolf uh, teaching them. My God. So she's under... You fail English? That's impossible. She is no longer... <laughs> That's impossible. She's no longer teaching right now. She is still, however, serving on a, uh, a school board uh, as the investigation is underway into her anti-Semitic post, basically calling for people to uh, target these certain Jewish, prominent Jewish people in her community. Nice. Eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. I came across it because I, I, I'm not I'm not a great student of history, but I, I know enough about history to uh, to fake my way through a history class. I'm, I'm no Howie Carr. I can tell you that right now. But I was doing some reading on on Kristallnacht um, in November of 1938, and what happened that those two nights. And I came across a video of a survivor named. Joanne Grechter Neumann, and she discussed for archival purposes her experience during Kristallnacht, and I play this only because I think there are some strong parallels here that we're starting to see between the sentiment then for the, the hatred of Jews in the targeting of Jewish communities and we're seeing it right now as pro-Hamas protesters march into um, extremely dense Orthodox Jewish communities, 
in New York City. And let's just take a listen to uh, Joanne Grechter Neumann, Karetin. What I saw was hordes of people standing in front of our beautiful synagogue and throwing stones through these magnificent uh, colored windows. And uh, as we arrived, and of course we ran past the, 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 uh, the place itself, the noise, the shouting, the screaming. I suppose there was a, an, an aura of, of eeriness about it because we still didn't know what was happening, but I suppose just the mere fact that so many people were there and were screaming and shouting and, and throwing stones into the uh, uh, stained glass windows was enough to make us run. We arrived in school and were immediately told that our parents would pick us up, we should remain calm, but there would be no school that day. And indeed, a few uh, minutes later, or half an hour later, whatever the case may be, my mother did arrive and took me to my grandmother's home where my father already was. Schools were canceled, um, businesses, places of worship being targeted, I mean, this is this is stuff that's happening today. You're seeing Jewish parents taking their kids out of school for fear of, of being targeted by their peers, or uh, schools with very large Jewish uh, representation just closing altogether for some time before, uh, until things cool off. Uh, you're, you're seeing businesses targeted. Every week we see that. And... You're seeing people just completely fearful for their lives just because of their ethnicity, something that they have no control over, something that they you shouldn't have to worry about. She continues with her story, Cut 19. And here then unfolded slowly but surely the grim story of what happened during the night that the synagogues all through Germany had been set on fire, destroyed, the uh, Sifrei Torah were burnt in most cases. It is known that in Hamburg people sacrificed themselves to run into the synagogue to save some of the Sifrei Torah, hide them, the and I believe were successful in doing so. Um, that the uh, Jewish stores in the center of Hamburg, in the downtown area of Hamburg, had been uh, demolished, windows had been uh, broken, uh, the merchandise had been thrown into the streets, covered with water and with ink, and I mean, it was a, a total chaos, a total destruction. Hmm. I believe it was that night that about 30,000 Jewish men were taken away to concentration camps. I, I mean, we, we see it today with Hamas, uh, hundreds of people taken away just because they are Jewish and held hostage, and people celebrate that. It's disgusting. And there's, there's no excuse for it. I'm glad the White House actually came out in, uh, and, and denounced what took place in Philadelphia, the targeting of, of this restaurant. Um, hadn't seen that up until this point. Or if it had happened, it hadn't been widely reported, which is on the media, because they're certainly putting forward a narrative that Israel is to blame. I mean, if you saw any of the headlines from over the weekend, 
of this ceasefire ending, it was uh, Israel, Israel, uh, you know, continues fire after ceasefire ends. Well, who ended the ceasefire? It wasn't Israel. It was Hamas. They cater just to the headline readers. By the way, that teacher, Angela Wolf, not only did she talk about her hatred of uh, Jewish people in her community, rich Jewish people in her community, she also talked about the health crisis, the mental health crises for kids in communities when we were undergoing COVID. It's interesting because there's a new study out today that says people who complied with COVID restrictions are more likely to suffer mental health issues. Surprised? Neither am I. A recent study conducted by a university in the United Kingdom found that individuals who fully complied with COVID-19 measures are more likely to suffer from lingering mental health issues than those who resisted government mandates and viewed such orders with skepticism. A study which has not been peer-reviewed was published November 21st. Researchers with the school identified people who fell into two personality groups and tracked them for three months this year. This is hilarious. The purpose of the study was to gauge participants' well-being following lockdowns in the country and to find a way to ensure that when the next pandemic comes along, as many people as possible do what is best for the greater good. Study says during the period from February 15th to May 10th, 2023, after the lockdowns had ended, participants completed short surveys about their well-being every two weeks over a period of three months. Subjects were divided into two personality groups, agentic and communal. The agent is your typical person who is more likely to be focused on success, self-determination, and independence. Picture the, uh, the paddle surfer who, who was arrested in Malibu, California in early 2020. People like that. Meanwhile, the communal personality is more likely to try to not rock the boat and to believe they are looking out for others. The Karens, the people who are in their cars by themselves wearing masks, uh, people who had face shields and masks and uh, six-foot circumference hula hoops, around them so that you kept your personal distance. Human personality can be considered through the lens of two broad dimensions known as agency and communion. Uh, the impact of population health messages may be influenced by these personality traits. The following question was posed by the study's authors. What's the cost of compliance on people's well-being? The answer, the more individuals complied with health advice during lockdown, the worse their well-being post-lockdown. Increasing awareness of the risk of infection can effectively encourage compliance, but it also has negative consequences on people's well-being and recovery, especially for those higher in communal traits. When COVID spread to every country on the planet beginning in late 2019, there were those extreme minions among us who dug in their heels and would have been more than pleased to have seen all individual liberties suspended indefinitely and even permanently. Some of those heels are still stuck in the ground. 
The researchers noted, our findings suggest that although increasing worry is effective in driving behavioral compliance during pandemics, using such strategies undermines people's well-being and psychological recovery. Specifically, people with higher communal traits are likely to still be suffering from the effects of the lockdown period for some time after restrictions end. Without guidance, these people are more likely to maintain the infection prevention behaviors recommended during lockdown. So there's science to being a Karen. Good to know. 844-500-4242. News today out of uh, the Senate. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois just about an hour ago, got on the Senate floor and made for an unusual policy change to our armed forces. Here he is. There is also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you're an undocumented person in this country and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like, you can serve in our military and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And there are those who are undocumented who want the chance to serve and risk their lives for this country. Should we give them the chance? I think we should. Don't raise your hands all at once now, amigos. Can he tell me what the upside to being an American citizen is, a naturalized American citizen? Can anybody tell me what the upside is? Why why would you want that? Why would you want to go off the dole and have to actually work for a living and actually be counted among the uh, the American citizenry in not only censuses, but in tax rolls and all sorts of other government initiatives and programs. You are official. What is the advantage to that? 844-500-4242. And we will be back in just a few moments, 844 500 4242. I'm Taylor Cormier. This is The Howie Carr Show. The Howie Carr Show. Howie Carr is back. Welcome back to the Howie Carr Show, 844-500-4242. Finally, the perfect gift for somebody who has everything. A gift that will reach eternity. What could be better? Preborn gives this gift 200 times every day as they rescue babies whose lives are in peril. Even as God knits these babies together in their mother's wombs, they are precious and beautiful. Their hearts begin to form at conception and at just three weeks are already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By ten weeks, a baby can suck his or her thumb. 
Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just $28, you can sponsor an ultrasound and introduce a mother to her baby, which doubles that baby's chance at life. And now through a matching grant, your gift saves twice as many babies. Please give the gift of life. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com slash Howie. That's preborn.com slash Howie. So Dick Durbin wants to, uh, he's he's co-sponsoring a bill or supporting a bill that one of his colleagues has put forward saying that we should give um, naturalized citizenship to illegal aliens who come in here completely unvetted, um, probably under-immunized, obviously undocumented, with questionable histories, if we know their history whatsoever. Uh, they could be mass murderers back in their hometowns, They, which we've seen before. They could be uh, cartel-related, They all sorts of things. We want to let people in completely unvetted, more so than we've already done. They've They've breached the border. Now we want to have them breach our defenses, literally, and embed themselves into our armed forces, and if they do a good job, we'll make them citizens of the United States, no questions asked. One, what's the benefit of that? What is, wouldn't you have to be, I guess you wouldn't have to be a citizen uh, to be in the army, but they'd, they'd, they'd have to do that before you, you enter the, the army. I mean, that's, that's, or, or any of the uh, branch of the armed services. I mean, that's, that's a huge amendment I think you're talking about once you get into uh, that, that territory. But it's not like we have any, I don't know, examples of workplace violence in the military to point to where we've had uh, immigrants, legal or uh, radicalized people, lash out and murder other armed service members on base. Oh, we do. We do have examples of that. Um, it, it just, it's so curious to me. Instead of fixing the root of the problem, which is the wokeness of our armed forces today, and I'm so sorry to anybody who's listening and is a member of our armed services, armed forces, thank you very much for your service. But also, I, 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 I apologize for anything you're going through, any DEI training that you've had to endure in order to keep your job and, and, maintain a career it's obnoxious any any pink-haired wokesters that you've had to put up with any any of that nonsense anything that has absolutely nothing to do with defending the borders of this nation and freedom around the world it's nonsense now you have to worry about who you're recruiting because the policies that have been put in place by this administration have diminished recruiting to record low numbers. There's a number you don't hear. There's a record you don't hear Joe Biden bragging about how much he's decimated military recruitment numbers in a short two and a half year span. Record low. Howie is back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow as well in my regular seat. Jared gets to go home at his usual time. Thanks for listening. This is the Howie Carr Show. Do you know 